You're listening to Illini Life Audio, messages from a community of Christian believers on the campus of University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. For more audio and video content, visit IlliniLife.org. Good to be together with you. Uh, just to echo what Maddie said, feels right to talk about Jesus here on campus in this room with you. If we don't know each other, I'm Nick. I'm a pastor here in Illini Life. And it's Christmas time, right? We've already been acknowledging that. I love this season. The carols, we've already been singing. They've been playing in my car for weeks. I'm excited for Christmas. I love ugly sweaters and cookies and the smell of a dead tree dying in my living room. Uh, It is one of my favorite smells, by the way. Uh, It's a wonderful time. It's worth celebrating the birth of Jesus, isn't it? It's a great time of year. Now, see, I've always wondered if maybe I'm a little bit predisposed to like Christmas because I'm a Christmas baby. I was born December 23rd, and so my entire life, this whole month, there's a lot riding on it, right? (laughs) My entire life, there's just been a lot going on in December. Uh, And that just got amplified a few years back when my son was born. He's a December baby as well. In fact, if you don't know my son and you have a chance to meet him, he will likely tell you in six days he will be four years old because in six days, he will be four years old. And that means that four years ago, my life was transformed forever. My life was changed. It was a Monday morning, very typical Monday for me. I got groceries for the family. I returned home. I spent some time praying and planning for the week, seeing what I needed to accomplish. I set into some of my work responsibilities here in Alani Life, and then around 3 p.m., my wife Amy, she was across the street at the Klepper's house, You know, we live across the street from them. At around 3 p.m., she texted me, and she said, my water broke. We need to go to the hospital. We were having a baby. (laughs) Excitement. My adrenaline spiked. It was like I took 10 Red Bulls. I was like through the roof, all right? I was in task mode because that's how Nick operates. And I was like, hospital bag, all these, you know, going through the checklist in my mind. Hospital bag was already packed. I grabbed a few last-minute things, things that felt important in the moment. And then... Maybe unsurprising to those of you that know me, it was very important that I folded the last load of laundry that I had been working on. So we spent time folding towels before we, uh, while Amy worked through contractions, before we got in the car and drove to Carl. Uh, to Carl. So uh, some of you can reprove me of that for that later. Uh, so as my wife dealt with contractions and they started to intensify as we drove to uh, the hospital, we made it there. They checked us in. They called their midwife, Carissa. She came. Uh, eventually, as Amy got settled into into the room, my wife did an amazing job. She worked through a hard, challenging labor, and at 9:11 p.m., we got to meet Nathan for the first time. Yeah, the moment that changed my life is incredible. The moment I saw my son. The moment I saw my son just transformed everything. The best description I've come up with over the years has been that scene where the Grinch's heart grew three sizes. And it's not that like I'm the Grinch or something. It was just like I didn't realize the depth of emotion I could feel until I saw my son. It was like new levels of heart had been opened up. New achievement, dad mode unlocked, right? I mean, uh, and just instantly, there were just these senses of, like, I would do anything to protect him. I would do anything to take care of this and provide for this little guy. And I tell all all that to you 
because it's an exciting story and I love telling it. But I want you to understand what the next 24 hours and days beyond that were like. The next day, my heart sank. As we called a, a, a nurse and drew her attention to his rapid breathing, and they began to investigate. And what seemed like a blink of an eye, I went from holding my son to being escorted down an emergency back elevator to the NICU, where he was hooked up to a CPAP, put on, a or put on feeding tubes and IV sensors for oxygen and everything. Uh, it was incredible. It felt like somebody had punched me in the gut, and, the, and I, couldn't, I couldn't be there with him anymore. Tears welled up, and I struggled to, to see what was going on and understand what was happening. And then God, in his kindness, as he's a good and gracious, he's a kind God, he brought a former eyelifer who worked in the NICU over. She recognized me. She gave me comfort, and she, she assured me that he was in good hands, and they were doing what they could. It was going to be okay. And people say that, whether or not they know it. It's going to be okay. And I started crying. I just I couldn't. It sobbed right there. For days, Amy and I, my wife, we barely slept. We spent every minute we could at his station in the NICU, watching monitors, learning about what was going on. Our world stopped. Everything just went on hold. In that time in the NICU, I, they'd give us a, a sticker for each day, and I put a sticker on my shirt every day so I knew what day it was. <laughs> and I looked in the mirror. This long, everything stopped. And in that moment, I turned to the only place I can consistently go to for comfort, to the Lord. The Word of God. As I sat by his bedside, I read the stories of Nathan the prophet to him, whom we named him after. I explained what his name meant, that it was in, in Hebrew means God gives, that he's a gift from God because Nathan was our gift from God. He was the child we prayed for for over three years. He was a miracle for us, a child we didn't think we could have. I read the entire Gospel of Matthew and, and more. I explained all I could about Jesus until I had no words left by his bedside for days. You see, those days in the NICU, they're, they're kind of a blur. There are moments that stand out real prominent and things I can recall. We were there for a while. Nathan had significant fluid in his lungs, and he was having trouble clearing it and, and couldn't really breathe, and so they hooked him up to machines to help him and, and fight off possible infection. And the staff in the NICU, they were great, and they helped us understand and, and helped us get through it, understand what was happening. And so what felt like an eternity, but five days later, we were released from the NICU to go home on my birthday. It's still the greatest gift I was ever given was to go home with my family healthy and safe on my birthday. And I tell all of this because the birth of my son changed my life forever. In less than a day, I went from being a father, one of the highest highs I've ever experienced, and then had to wrestle in that same time frame with what losing that could feel like. The scariest and most painful thing I have yet to deal with in my life. A tiny person can have a huge effect on our lives. And for Amy and I, a child entering our lives, it changed it, changed it completely. 
This happens when you're a parent, and maybe one day, if you haven't experienced it, you'll, you will, and you'll, you'll understand in, in new ways the fatherliness of God. This is how he feels about us. And this morning, in the Christmas season, why am I talking about this? Because a child changes everything. A specific child changed the world, and that's the message of Christmas. The focus of the church in this season. And if you were with us last week, you know this. We started unpacking this from Isaiah's prophecy, back in chapter 9 of Isaiah. We're joining with the church tradition of Advent right now. We're waiting expectantly for the coming Savior, right? Waiting at this time, at this time of year, we, we wait for Jesus' second coming, and we reflect on his first coming. You know, and at this time of year, if, if you've been following Jesus for a while, or if you know, you've been around Christmas for a while, most of us, uh, the passages we hear, the, the verses we read, they can seem commonplace and maybe, maybe robbed of their significance in some ways. And so I invite you, if that's you this morning, set aside your past readings, your past hearings, and try to see this passage fresh. Try to see it with new eyes, with eyes to see and ears to hear. Let's engage with it. I invite you to see our passage fresh with us this morning. Today we're going to be looking at Matthew's gospel, his account of Jesus' birth. As we do this, I want us to think about the birth of this specific child in history that changed all of us, still impacting us today. I want us to consider how a baby born 2,000 years ago affected our lives today, how it changed us today. In Advent, we focus on talking about the birth of Christ and how it changed the world. Last Sunday, we learned about this child from the prophecy in Isaiah 9, like I mentioned. Today, we're going to get a chance to reflect on that child and see him in person. We get to meet him because the answers to how he changed the world, how he changed everything, are wrapped up in who he is, the nature of Christ. Who he is made all the difference. So let's get to meet him. Let's get to know this child. We're going to look at the birth of Christ recorded in Matthew's gospel, but first let me give you a little background on marriage and Jewish culture because it, we can, it can raise some questions. It's a little different than ours. In first century Jewish culture, as relationships progressed towards marriage, they went through three distinct phases. There was the choosing of the spouse phase, and that was actually done a lot of times by parents or a matchmaker in, in the local context. And this happened usually when the children were like 13, right? Pretty young. Most of you would be matched already. Uh, then came the engagement phase, and that was around the time when the, the man was uh, around 17. And engagement in this culture was different than our engagement. This was a binding contract. These men, This man and woman, they were pledged to each other. They were committed to one another, and it could only be broken by divorce at this point. They weren't husband and wife. They didn't live together. They didn't share intimacy, but, but they were bound legally together at this point. Divorce is the only way out. Then, around the age of 18, about a year later, a wedding celebration would take place, and they would be joined together as husband and wife. They'd go and make a home together and hopefully begin their family. So with that in mind, let's read our passage. Matthew chapter 1, 18 through 25. Here we're going to meet Mary and Joseph, common names we've probably heard before. They're engaged, so they're legally bound together, but they're not married. They're not yet husband and wife. In this passage, we'll see the dual nature of Christ. We're going to see Jesus is the one who saves us. 
we're going to see that Jesus is God with us. Let's read. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and give and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. There we have it. Matthew's birth account of Jesus. Jesus is a human child growing in Mary's womb. He's from the Holy Spirit, so he's both human and divine. His name, Jesus, tells us his ultimate purpose to save his people from their sins. And the prophecy foretold about him shows us he will be Emmanuel, God with us. These truths about Jesus, they explain how he changed everything. How this child changed everything. Take a look at all of them a little bit more closely to understand that. Now, our passage, it began with Mary and Joseph engaged, right? As we talked about, they're in the engagement phase. Joseph sees Mary is pregnant. And if we take Luke's gospel into account, we know that she's probably about four months pregnant at this point. She uh, was pregnant. She spent three months with Elizabeth. She's coming back. And, and what's significant about that is she's showing at four months when Amy was pregnant, brave individuals, brave strangers would congratulate us and sometimes even touch her stomach, which is just, people get crazy when babies are around. I don't, I don't encourage you to engage in any of these practices. Uh, but when babies are around and pregnancy is involved, like social norms go out the, out the window. So the point here, right, is at four months, people can tell that something is happening in, this, in, this, uh, in the womb. Mary is showing. There's no hiding what's going on. She is with child. But she's unmarried. They haven't been married yet. So Mary and Joseph, they're pledged to one another. They're anticipating being married, married, having a home together, starting a family. And Joseph sees what looks like evidence of marital unfaithfulness on Mary's part. So Matthew tells us, Joseph, he's a righteous man, a just man. He's committed to obeying the law, to being righteous before the Lord. And so he concludes he must, he must divorce Mary. This would have been standard practice for an upright Jew, an upstanding Jew like he was. Joseph, he wants to uphold the law, so he's going to divorce her. But he doesn't want her to suffer public disgrace, it says. Right? He doesn't want her to have the hardship, the possible stoning, or the outcast that will happen if she's suspected of adultery. So he says he'll do, he decides to do it quietly. Right? He decides to spare her all that hardship. He had compassion in the face of what he saw as unfaithfulness to him. All of this, this these reactions, the, the observations, the emotions, 
It's all very physical, isn't it? Very human. We get it. We can put ourselves in that situation. A human child is growing in Mary's womb. He's being formed just as all human children have throughout time, knit together. Jesus is human. He is like us. Jesus experienced life just like we do. He came into the world as a baby and grew in knowledge and stature just as we all have. He faced trials and temptations just like you and I do. He felt real pain, real joy. He had real relationships and real adversaries, just like you and I do. In his humanity, Jesus can empathize with us because he's been where we are. He's felt what we felt, what we feel. When we pray and he hears our prayers, he gets it with empathy. He has deep understanding of our situation because he was like us. He knows our human condition. He knows our hearts. But there's more, isn't there? Right? There's more to this child. You see, there's something very different about him. He isn't just human. He's from the Holy Spirit. Jesus was not conceived by normal human conception. He's from God. He is divine. It wasn't adultery that brought about this child in Mary's womb. It was the work of God. And as the angel explains this to Joseph in in his dream, it becomes so clear to him. He is so convinced, he drops the concern of Mary's unfaithfulness, the concern that she committed adultery, and he takes her as his wife. The child is from God, not from man. Joseph can, can marry her in good conscience and not be breaking the law. He can still remain a, a righteous man. You see, Jesus is fully human and fully God. He is God. He is worthy of our worship. It's right for us to sing the songs we sing about him at this time of year. He is worthy of our devotion. He's worthy of our worship. As Jesus entered the world, we gained a compassionate pastor who listens and empathizes with us. We gained a clearer image of God to guide our worship. Our access to to God was transformed at the birth of Jesus because a child changes everything. Well, not only was Jesus both fully human and fully God, he's also the one who saves his people from their sins. That's what his name revealed. That's what the angel revealed as instructed Joseph what to name the child. His name proclaims what he does. When we say the name Jesus, we declare the truth that he is the one that takes away our sins. The name Jesus, is, it's the Greek version of Joshua, meaning Yahweh is salvation or God saves, right? Uh, in, in the first century, like, this was a common name. Lots of Jewish boys were named, named Jesus. It was a symbol of hope that God would deliver his people from their Roman oppressors. Just as he had in Egypt, just as he had in Babylon, God would deliver them. He would save them. For them, it meant that there was hope in salvation from oppressive rulers. But God is doing something very different in Jesus, isn't he? 
He's calling upon a different kind of salvation, one he's foreshadowed in Scripture over and over again, the kind of salvation referenced in Psalm 130, salvation from sin. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. He himself will redeem Israel from all their sins. Jesus is the one who saves us from our sins. When we were lost in our sins and an enemy to God, he took on human flesh to save us. He became like us so he could rescue us. In rescuing us from our sin, he brought about lasting salvation from the most oppressive ruling regime imaginable. He did free us from an oppressor, from sin. And in freeing us from sin, he changed our destiny. We are no longer objects of wrath, destined for death. We are raised to new life. Because of Jesus, we are no longer slaves to sin. We are sons and daughters of God. We have been changed for the better, set on a new path. Right as the angel declared, you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. In the name of Jesus, we have been saved from our sins. Jesus saves us. He changes us because a child changes everything. As we continue on our passage, the final thing we see is Matthew breaking into the story to put an emphasis on, this, on the birth of Jesus. He says, all this took place to fulfill the prophecy spoken by Isaiah in Isaiah seven fourteen. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this was a prophecy spoken by Isaiah to King Ahaz of Judah. King Ahaz, he was afraid his kingdom would be invaded and overrun, and he'd be removed as king. In the face of these fears, Isaiah offers these words of God as a reminder that a descendant of David will sit on the throne forever. It's a prophetic sign for them in their age to comfort Ahaz then, but there was fuller meaning to come in Christ, in the birth of Jesus. The language of the prophecy, it's rich and full of depth. I hope you'll study it one day. We've, we preached it here a few years back. In the days of Ahaz, Isaiah, he, was, he, was likely, he likely took this to mean that uh, a young unmarried woman would, would eventually get married and, and she would conceive a child and give birth and, and they would call his name Emmanuel. So it gave him hope that there would be a long time that he would be king. He would see all these things come to pass. He'd be reminded of God's hope in dark times as he saw all these things. Ahaz, he remained on the throne, and, and likely all these things came to pass. Matthew now looks back 700 years to that prophecy, and he sees more meaning in the language. He sees additional depth to that prophecy, meaning that couldn't be grasped until God did the unthinkable, until the miraculous happened, and through Mary, a virgin, a child was born. The prophecy was given for hope in the to King Ahaz in his time, but it offers hope to all in its complete fulfillment in the birth of Jesus. 
Jesus is not only fully human and fully divine, the one who saves us from our sins. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. God's original plan was always for this. It was always to be with his people. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, they walked with him in the cool of the day. Right? And, and then after that, it, with Noah, he calls out to him to save him in a remnant, to be, have his people. He covenants with Abraham as a smoking firepot and flaming torch. He leads the people out of Egypt as a pillar of fire and a, and a cloud of smoke. He meets with Moses as a representative of the people who are terrified of him. He gives directions for the ark and the tabernacle so that he can live among them as they travel. And then, then he steps into creation as Jesus, in the form of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God with us. When we see Jesus interacting with people on the pages of the New Testament, we see God. When we read the teachings of Jesus recorded in the gospel, we are reading the teachings of God. When we watch Jesus lay down his life for us, we see God sacrifice himself for us. Jesus as Emmanuel, it changed the way we see God. It changed our access to God. It gave us the clearest image of God the world has ever seen. In Jesus, we're taught the ways and the heart of God straight from his own mouth rather than through an intermediary or carvings on a stone tablet. Jesus changed the way we see God and the way we walk with him because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, and that changes our understanding of God, changes our view of him because a child changes everything. And so as I, I hope you've seen this morning, a child nearly 2,000 years ago changed everything. It changed the way we pray and worship. It changed us as it freed us from our sins. It changed the way we see God as he's revealed more completely in the person of Jesus. The significance of this child, the significance of his birth has been acknowledged and felt throughout history. I mean, just think about all the imprints on your life. Just, just a few. We measure years leading up to his birth and after it. When you write the date, it is an echo of the significance of Jesus' birth. Our yearly rhythms, they revolve around celebrating his birth. When you finish your last final this week, and you breathe that sigh of relief that the semester is over, it's an echo of the magnitude of Jesus' birth. Because our society, our secular society, our university, still gives space for us to remember and celebrate the birth of Jesus. And for one month a year, one month a year, it is totally normal and acceptable to hear Jesus' name proclaimed, to hear worshipful and celebratory songs about him everywhere you go. 
when you turn on the radio, while you're grocery shopping, when you're having lunch at Jimmy John's. When O Come, O Come, Emmanuel breaks through the noise of Starbucks is an indication of the significance of Jesus' birth. Think about that. His imprints are everywhere. That's because a child changes everything. Who Jesus is changes us. Matthew understood that, and he opens his gospel with the lineage of Christ and the birth of Christ to make it absolutely clear that Jesus was God in human flesh, that this was the long-awaited Messiah. Everything changed at that moment. Matthew's account of the birth of Jesus, it reminds us that Jesus is fully human and fully God, that he's the one who saves us from our sins and that he is God with us. And these truths changed the world and they changed me and they changed all of us. They changed everything for us. And so, in our last service, there's still more Advent, there's still Christmas coming. I invite you to to reflect. I invite you to, to reflect on the humanity and divinity of Christ and be moved to worship. I invite you to reflect on the salvation from your sins that Christ offers and be moved to give thanks. And I invite you to reflect on Emmanuel, God with us, and be moved to walk with him. Would you pray with me?